This is episode eight of the Filmmaking the Hard Way podcast. I am Josh Folan, and as is always the case, I'm going to be having a coffee today with a talented filmmaker that works in the low to micro budget filmmaking space. Today, I am talking to Darren Coyle, whom I met at the Omaha Film Festival earlier this year. His film Chasing Sunshine was playing along with Ask for Jane. We met at one of the events there and struck up a conversation, kept in touch. He shared his film with me after the fact. I didn't have a chance to see it at the festival itself, uh, but he shared a link with me. I watched it a few weeks ago, and we are going to talk about that experience. I am here with... Darren Coyle. And we're going to be talking about independent filmmaking in general, uh, as well as his feature film, Chasing Sunshine, uh, that I yes. caught... Uh, well, I actually didn't catch it at, at Omaha, but uh, I caught it after the fact. Yes. Because uh, it was playing there with Ask for Jane earlier yes. this year. Uh, and the first thing I like to ask, just as a table setter, is the first dollar that you earned in the inter- entertainment industry, where did it come from and how did you score the gig? Aha, okay. That's an interesting question. Well, back uh, 20 years ago or so, I was in New York uh, uh, pursuing a career in acting. And um, I was probably like 22 or 23. And I auditioned for and got uh, a uh, a non-union tour with the National Shakespeare Company. Uh, I think, I want to say we were making like 400 or 500 a week. That's a, was like, that's a great first job, like, dude. Like, <laughs> I get, so when I ask this question, if people <laughs> give me a legitimate answer like that, it pisses me off. <laughs> <laughs> well, they were like, well, there were like eight of us in a van driving around, basically going to colleges and performing Taming of the Shrew. <laughs> you know, we're like we'd roll in, set up our minimalist set. They'd bring all the students in, we'd perform, and then clap, 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 we'd break down our set, put it back in the van, and go move on to the next town. Like, that was the gig. That's crazy that that, would be, that that kind of operation would be lucrative enough to pay that kind of rates to an entire cast. That they were well, making, that the colleges were paying that much money for that. Yeah, well, you know... Makes, I mean, me want, it makes me want to start it, like, one of these. <laughs> well, you know what? A lot of the schools we were going to were, like... Uh, you know, we weren't going to like Harvard and Yale. We were going to like smaller community colleges in like Missouri and uh, Louisiana and stuff like that. Like that, the kind of places that like probably don't get a live, you know, production of Shakespeare all the time. So like that was like their th- that was their thing for that month. You know, so like that's what they wanted to spend their money on. You know, and uh, and there were only eight of us. Uh, we all we all uh, played multiple roles and stuff like that too. So and like and we were all like I was the prop master and like you know so and so was in charge of this and so and so was in charge of the wardrobe and whatever. So we were all wearing many different hats. So the four or five hundred dollars we were making uh, a week was uh, was a little bit underpaid considering you know the amount of sure but hours everything every, I mean a first job is supposed to be underpaid no, no, no you're absolutely right you're absolutely right and you know what it was a great gig and I did it for like three or four months and I it's met, also a great I met some great people doing it and uh, and I honestly I had never done Shakespeare before so that was kind of like I never performed it obviously I'd read it and studied it in school and whatever but like I never performed it so that was kind of like a new thing. Uh, and yeah, I guess as far as first gigs go, 
It was pretty darn good. It's not bad. Yeah. And also, I don't, you know, not that you could have had any uh, grasp of it being the case when you were doing it, but that is a great... Um, I don't know. It's a, it's a it's a it's a great not introduction necessarily, but it, it's a great experience to have if you're going to be going into, into independent film. Where as we'll get into, uh, you yeah. are wearing so many different hats, and yeah. you're kind of just like making shit work. You know yeah. what I mean? Yeah, and, yeah, and that sounds very much you're like the, you're just like, you roll in and you just figure it out when you get. Yeah, there. you're very <laughs> it's very hands on. You don't at no point in time is there a task where you go, oh, who's going to do that? Yeah. You see the task and you yes. go, oh, I'm going to do that. Right. I'm the one who's going to do that. Right. I'm going to move all that shit from there to there. Or can we swear? Yeah. All right. Uh, you know, I'm going to so be. You the talk one. to me. Like, how could I possibly have an entire conversation with no swear words? Um, you know, <laughs> who's going to be the one that operates the lights for this one thing? Or, you know, oh, I'm, I'm going to be the one who does that. You right. know, so like, yeah, lots of different hats. I, you know, I, you make a good point. Like, coming from a theater background, like when I was growing up, you know, did theater, theater, theater. And so. Uh, you do learn uh, a, first of all, uh, humility, but you also learn, you know, a work ethic that like, you're going to do it. So you end up doing lots of different things. Maybe you're not the best person to do the costumes, but you don't have anyone else. So you're doing it and figure it out. (laughs) And like, and by the third or fourth time you do costumes, Maybe you actually do know what you're doing. Right. And you had to develop a little system. And that's so much about independent, or so much a, a component of producing for independent film, too, is just like figuring out, like, you don't have someone to teach it to you. So you just figure out, like, what's a little flow chart that I can make for myself that is reliably going to accomplish this goal yeah. in, a, in a more efficient way next time than the way I did it this time. You yeah. Know what I mean? And yeah, that's, yeah. I think, that's something, that's one of the biggest things I've learned over the last decade is like figuring out ways, like, systems for myself to make these things work in these fucked up situations. I well, know? I know it's cliche. But like necessity is the mother of invention. So if you're just like, I need like a system, I need a system, I need, or if you're like, like a call sheet, for instance, you're like, you make up your own call sheet. And you and you learn from and you learn from experiences to like what should be or not be on there, <laughs> and like sometimes you put stuff on there, and then later on you're like, oh, I shouldn't have put that on there, or, like, <laughs> or you don't put something on there, and you're like, oh, why didn't I put that on the call sheet? Everyone's I've had the I've had eleven people ask me the same fucking oh question gosh, today. Yeah. I should have put this on the fucking call sheet. Yeah, and then you go next time you put It'll that shit on the call sheet. sheet. Yeah. <laughs> you know, so like you you just invent ways of doing things, and maybe it's not the best way to do it, but. Some, it's a way. Sometimes it's a way. <laughs> it's a way. And it gets usually gets the job done. Hopefully. Uh, okay. So that that out of the way, let's get into the project. Okay. Uh the elevator pitch. Your elevator pitch of it. Uh so Chasing Sunshine is an odd couple comedy. Uh it's basically a road trip movie where the two main characters never leave the San Fernando Valley. Um and that's all right. So that's the elevator pitch. Um, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And basically, like two strangers in a car driving around on a scavenger hunt. Um, and as they go, they encounter lots of wacky people. And it, they learn things about each other. They learn things about the world, and have some laughs along the way. Obviously, because it is a comedy. Um, I, I, part of I don't like to exactly pigeonhole it as a comedy because there are a lot of like human you know dramatic elements to it 
but on the whole, it's there to make you laugh and enjoy the and enjoy the ride. But you know, the characters actually do have moments of you know self realization and you know and and emotion, and so it's more of like a human story as opposed to just for you know just dancing around for laughs. All right. Yeah, dude, I mean, I, I, I don't know if I'm capable of, of writing something that doesn't have comedic... Like, I, I can't imagine writing an entire piece that's just, like, heavily dealing with some subject matter. That's not, like... I, I think the way human beings deal with things, no matter how... In fact, the more fucked up it is, the more I think people rely on... Humor. Laughs yeah. to make it fucking okay for them. You know, yeah, make the situation yeah, yeah. okay. Yeah, for sure. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, I, I have... I mean, Catch-22 is like, I mean, it's about them dealing with a dead girl, you know, in their apartment. They're not sure how it got there. And, like, it's, I think, a hilarious movie. I laugh constantly. <laughs> uh, both writing and watching it. So, um, yeah, I think that's a very a smart thing to do no matter what your subject matter is to make sure you paint in as much yeah. comedy as you can. Because, because, I mean, I like to think it's like a comedy with a heart. You know, like you're not you're not there just to make laughs. The comedy comes from people just being human. There's not set up, set up, punchline, set up, set up, punchline. Right, right. You know, the jokes and the comedy, the humor comes from these people just being human and, you know, going on going after their own little self-serving goals, you know, which right. I hate to boil it down like that. Yeah. But that's what acting is. But it's <laughs> essentially what it is. You're you're being a human being who's, you know going after their own selfish little goals mm-hmm. and then and trying to get around obstacles along the way. Work. Uh, what are, what were slash are your roles on it? Uh, and all of them, I mean, they, you know, I can, we can look on IMDb and see that you <laughs> yeah, sure. t- directed it, produced it, wrote it as well. You yes. didn't edit, did you? I did. Did you? Okay, so edited it as well. But yeah. independent production tends to push you into dealing with dumb shit a lot uh, on these things. So, like, talk to me also about the dumbass remedial tasks that maybe aren't necessarily credited uh, um, (laughs) uh, in in the credits. So, yes, I wrote it and directed it, uh, also produced it, and then edited it mostly. Uh, We we brought in another editor to kind of do a pass. Um, But I I would say, like, 80% of it I edited... Because I work for free. Um, and then we brought in a guy to like do a pass. Mm-hmm. Um, so, and then some of the things that you're, you're saying, like, what are the uncredited things that you right. did, basically? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, well, I made props. <laughs> uh, so, there's a, within the story, there is um, a local chicken joint. That has like a special going on, two buckets for one, two bucket fiestas for the price of one, and so I thought, and so that's that's like uh, referenced in one of the earlier scenes, and then later on in one of the other scenes, uh, there's a table with a bunch of food items on it, and I thought it would be a fun little callback if I had a bucket of chicken from Senior Chickens on the on the table. And no, none of the characters reference it or anything like that. It's just there. Most of the people who watch the movie probably don't even notice it. <laughs> but I do. And so I had to make that bucket. Um, and uh, our art director, who's also my brother, Pat Coyle, uh, made the logo. 
And so like I cut out the logo and got rubber cement and basically like put it on this like striped bucket. It says Senior Chicken. Uh, well, also because they actually take the bucket and put it over a guy's head. So it actually does play into the, into the scene. Uh, but it's subtle. <laughs> uh, and, uh, so I'm, I'm, and I had to find that bucket. It's funny, if you go to, like, KFC or something like that and get a bucket of chicken, the buckets that they have do not fit over your head. <laughs> I found out yeah, what the is, hard What way. a disaster. <laughs> so I was like, oh, shit, I gotta get, like, a bucket that looks like a chicken bucket That'll fit over someone's head. Uh, but also, so basically I, I went from store to like 99 cent stores basically looking for buckets. I eventually found this like square plastic bucket that was red and white striped. And I was like, all right, this is it. <laughs> and then I, you know, put the logo on it. And then like, so I made that prop. I still have that prop. And like along the line, along those lines like we got like the there's a guy in a chicken costume handing out flyers for senior chicken i got the chicken costume i still have that uh i actually wore it to a film festival <laughs> uh and and hung out in the lobby for 3 hours handing out flyers for my screening i was at someone it, else's it, screening indie film marketing 101 <laughs> <laughs> so, so uh you yeah went, so you went to afm and have you been to afm <laughs> uh I hung out in the lobby. Okay, so then so that's all you need to do to be able to uh, know what I'm referencing. Yeah, you know, yeah, the, yeah. The Tromo people with their fucking oh, costumes. Oh, yeah, yeah, that. yeah. Um, yeah, so I did some costumes and I did some props. Uh, thankless jobs, but like, again, it was one of those things where like, I don't have anyone else to do this. And if I did, if, if someone else was like, oh, I'll do props, I'd be like, Mm. <laughs> I don't know if you're gonna do them to my satisfaction. Right. So like, better arts, to, art's always better such to... an overworked department. Even if you have someone uh, handling, there's, there's uh, an independent production. There's always more sh- for shit for them to do than they have the bandwidth to. Oh to yeah, accomplish. and you have, and you also have no money for mm-hmm. that. Like that's not like, that's not the first line on, in your budget. Right, is like art direction. Right. Usually, like. What do we have You just left? can't afford an art director. Like, hopefully you have a PA that has an eye for things like that or something. Right. Or you do. Or, you know, one of your producers is like, you know, just has a flair for that kind of thing and, and is able to do it. But then you don't have money necessarily for the props. You just have to go, oh, hey, who here has a tennis racket? Can you bring it tomorrow? <laughs> Great. Like, that's your props department, yeah. you know? So, like... And God right. forbid you need something specific <laughs> like the chicken bucket or something like that. Right. You know, so, yeah, sorry, this is a long-winded answer no, to your question. Uh, that was, those were two departments that, like, oh, also, I was the first AD. That is not credited. And I, and I was fine with not giving myself that credit. It's uh, the worst shot on a film set. <laughs> in, a in, my, job, in my opinion. But, like, you know what, I didn't need a first AD because... I had been developing this project for over a year. And when I wrote it, I wrote it to specific locations that were near my house that I knew I could shoot at. And I like in my head, I knew what my I knew what my schedule was going to be. I knew we could shoot it in 8 days, which is what we did. So I didn't and I didn't have money for a first AD either. So I was like I I know where I'm going. I know where everyone's going to need to be. 
I have a, I have a logistical background. Like I've AD'd other things. So I knew what it took. Um, I had the script and the schedule in my back pocket at all times. I had a watch. <laughs> and I was like, I can say roll camera and roll sound, action, speed. You know, like I was like, I don't. And the producers were like, oh, should we get a first AD? And I was like, no, it's fine. And I don't, I don't think we, the production suffered because of it. Like, well, and I wasn't, you got it done in eight days. Then. I didn't need anyone, <laughs> I didn't need anyone tapping me on the shoulder saying, right. You can't do a twenty sixth take of this. We need to move on. And that's a that's a lot that you know. Yes, the the role deals a lot in just the management of everyone. I mean, he's basically the manager of the crew for all intents and purposes on site. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, a big part of what it is is kind of the not necessarily representing the budget, but representing the logistics to the director who. Should always be pushing for more for the sake of create the creative, yes. you know. And, and I mean, I, one of the things like I usually produce and direct on a lot of a lot of a lot of my things too, and those are also kind of just inherently opposed concepts within the construct of the production. You know what I mean? They yes. should be the producer should always be pushing to minimize while still accomplishing the creative goals, whereas the director should always be striving for the most assets, time, etc., available to accomplish the creative goals. Yes, most, that, the the push and pull there is a lot of what gets you, you to the optimal point. You need, to have that only one person managing that in their own head is yeah. difficult, but it, but it can be done. You definitely sure. need yeah. like a uh, <clears throat> in a, an unemotional voice of reason to be around to tell you you got it on the third take. We don't need to do twenty more takes. Right, exactly. Or you know, or just to, just to say you know what the wall the wall is red. And we're going to have to just live with it. Yeah. You know? But I want it to be blue. It's not going to be blue. It's red. <laughs> we're going to have exactly. to live with it. You know? Exactly. Like, you need... You do need that voice. And unfortunately, sometimes you don't have another person to be that voice. Right. So sometimes you have to be that voice. And... It's, a, it's its own... Doesn't always... Doesn't always... Not always successful, but... Um, right. Yeah. It's just... It's, just, uh, it's not... Um, I don't know. I feel like... And again, this is... Uh, I almost get sick of saying their names like the Duplass brothers Swanbergs Sean Bakers people like that that are able to have that conversation in their own head without yeah. the, the manpower crew support to tell it to them yeah. uh, I think is one of the most underrated and valuable independent filmmaking skill sets you know yeah. uh, and, and something I just like respect the shit out of people that can do it and do it at a level high enough to you know get Make, make accepted a, and watched. Make money doing it. Yeah, make, make money doing it and get yeah. accepted and watched by, by the, <laughs> a semi-respectable uh, portion of the general populace. Yes, you know I mean? absolutely. Uh, is, is a really, really impressive thing to me. Yeah. Um, yeah, dude, going back to the art thing, the one of my most, uh, I don't know, one of the things I enjoy as far as accomplishments go the most is I did some stupid-ass little 24-hour film race thing probably a decade ago now. Uh-huh. And... Uh, the film actually ended up being one of the finalists. Da, 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 but they handed out individual little awards, and uh-huh. I mean, never, I would never even touch the art department. It's not even like something that even I don't even consider myself remotely adept at or yeah. with. Uh, but it, I, I, it was like this concept where this girl and a guy are. Uh, she's trying uh, to get him to uh, do it's called just one line. It's about doing one line of coke, and it's about, it's only got 
the whole thing was like set up on the number one and there's all these things and the okay. whole like the, the focus of it is this girl and this guy huddled over a table gonna do this one line of coke and uh the girl ends up Odin, but I had to do like the set dressing for the little drug table, you know, and I did that yeah. myself on the yeah. shoot and we yeah. won best set and the whole thing, that's the whole, that, that, that can be the only thing they're referencing. Uh, we won best set dressing. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, ah. <laughs> <laughs> were you like, oh, this award is bullshit. <laughs> or you were like, holy shit, maybe I have a flair for this. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Maybe I should do more of this. Uh, <laughs> yeah, just for that one specific thing, maybe. Uh, it was just funny to me. I couldn't. Yeah. I was like, what? <laughs> well, clearly you did a good job. Yeah, and, clearly. Like it sounds. Like or clearly, I didn't. I don't remember the other uh, finalists, but clearly they must have done not a very good job with yeah, right. the art direction. Well, those twenty-four hour film contests are always. Who knows? Yeah. You know, it's a roll of the dice. For sure. Anyhow, uh, how much time was spent fundraising? What were the sources? And what were the percentages of those sources? Sure. Uh, so, as far as time goes, that's an interesting question because we did, we kind of did two surges of uh, fundraising. Initially, we did a crowdfunding campaign, which was a 30 day campaign, uh, which is something you can't just. And you, you hadn't done any equity outreach or anything trying to raise any no. money part that was the first no no, no. Okay. that was what we were going to do uh for, i mean from the get-go just cons- just because just conceptually our project we knew it was an indie film it was a it was a a little the little film that could kind of a thing and we we liked that it was going to that we were gonna crowdfund it you know like that we felt like that was within the spirit of the film uh, you know, it's kind of like stone soup. Everyone's going to bring a little something. And when everyone brings a little something, if you get enough people to bring a little something, you get a big something. And so the crowdfunding campaign, we spent a couple of months before it, you know, prepping. You got you, you to gotta, you gotta prime the pump on that one. You, <laughs> you can't them, just like... To put them out You can't just like jump into it and go, hey, everybody, we're doing this thing now. Give us money. Like... Well, you, you can, but it's you can, but you're probably like, not going to succeed. Work, right? yeah. So you have you really have to like establish your networks months before you actually do this thing, and then once you go live, you know it's you know it's a sixty hour week job if you have any. Uh, yeah, yeah, you really <laughs> have to do it, and you have to like connect to everyone you've ever met. Whether you know them well or not. And be the worst human being in their lives for the entire yeah, 30 you days. Have, <laughs> you have to be shameless. You have to be shameless. And you're not asking for a handout, though. You're not asking for them to give you money. You're asking for them to contribute to the project. And once they do, they are, they are a part of that project. And that's what, you have to, that's what you have to go into it. And that's how you have to talk about it. You can't just say, just give me money. Hey, can you give me money, please? It's not like that. You have to be like, look, this is the project we're doing. Come and be a part of it. It's going to be awesome. You need to get on this train. It's leaving the station. And uh, so we did that for 30 days and we raised, uh, I would, we raised two thirds of our eventual budget that, doing that. And that money got us through production. Uh, There were a couple of things in production that cost more than we had initially thought they were going to. So that, that money was supposed to get us just through the whole thing. Mm. But... 
uh, it turns out it only basically goes through production. At which point in time, which is why I started, which is why I edited it. Because <laughs> I was like, oh, we have no money for post-production now. I guess I'm going to edit it, you know, and like... I mean, that was, I was going to, I was going to be the assistant editor on it. I was going to do all the, like, bullshit work. So you cut shit before. It wasn't the first time. No, no, no. It wasn't the first time. Uh, it, was, it was the first time I'd ever used Premiere. I, I had used other things, but I'd never really used Premiere. So I was, like, teaching myself as I went. And eventually I was just like, oh, well, we can't afford a real editor anyways. So instead of just, you know, I, w- I was syncing everything and putting them in bins and organizing and stuff like that. But then eventually I was like, oh, well, why don't I just start editing this? At at which point in time I got that as far as I could get it. And then I said to my producers, I was like, okay, we have no money, but we need money to (laughs) to finish this thing. We need to do color correction. We need to do sound mix. We need to do our, we need to do a soundtrack. Those, those things you can get for free, but they're going to be like, you want to at least pay someone something <laughs> because you're going to get what you pay for you know, for these things. So at which point in time, one of our producers actually found uh, some wonderful people who ended up being our executive producers who uh, uh, in- invested in the film. And that's how we, that's how we got across the, the, the finish line, so to speak. And, and who, that was, who were they in relay? Were they... I did. I. I don't. I didn't know them. No. Uh, the. Our, He's never told you where they came Eric, from. <laughs> no. Eric, Eric Hover is one of our producers, and he just magically just, made money appear. He finds people and he gets them to give him money to make movies. Like I'm not saying give. That that's the wrong term. <laughs> invest. They invest in his movies. That is his. That is his. Special gift, which was. Which was great because that is not my gift. I am not good at that. So he was able to find us enough. Uh, f- uh, I think it was five investors, and uh, and that got us the final one third of our budget. That got us across the finish line to f- to f- to finish it with color correcting and sound and and all that stuff. Wow. And even and even then, you know, we're still on a shoestring budget. Don't get me wrong, <laughs> yeah. but I mean, you do need to pay some people. Something for those things. Yeah, those might make, you know, sound, it's Um, it's getting, editors, re-recording mixers, shit like that, you're not going to get anyone to value without paying them something for sure. Yeah, I mean, you can get a kid that's like right out of film school who doesn't know what they're doing to do it for free, but then you're going to get what a kid out of film school who doesn't know what they're doing can do. Right. So. For sure. Uh, Okay. Did I answer your question? Yes, for sure. Uh, And... Nuts and bolts stuff. So I'm just going to fire a yeah, bunch, yeah, of, yeah. bunch of quick questions at you uh, here and fire back the best answer you can. How many shoot days? Eight, you already said, right? Well, it actually, it was eight initial days, and then we had a pickup day, so it was nine altogether. Okay. Yeah. How many script pages? Ninety. Ninety. Number of speaking roles? That's an excellent question. I think it's 12. Okay. Average daily crew headcount? The crew, let's see, one, two, three, four, five, five or six. Okay. Number of locations? Uh, I want to say about 10. Okay. 10 or 12, something, somewhere around there. 
and this is the funnest one to me, estimated cost per plate for meals and from whom those meals were sourced. <laughs> <laughs> well, I believe in having a good lunch. Uh, a good lunch makes for a happy crew, especially if you're not paying them a lot. Well, that's why this is in here. It's like the baseline provision you have to have there yeah. uh, to get real work out of people. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> you can't Regardless just what the make a is. bunch of peanut butter and jelly sandwiches and hand them out. Right. Like, yeah. you need... you. You better spend a couple dollars on this and, and at a good place. Now, I'm not saying you take them to a restaurant, you sit down, and you, you, know, you have waiter service or whatever. But, like, you know, find the best sandwich place in that neighborhood, and that's where you're getting it from. Mm-hmm. I would say per plate, it was somewhere between $10 and $15 per plate. Okay. Um, and I hope the crew would, would say that that the food was good. I I know a couple times people were like, wow, this is really good. Where'd you get this? And I was like, all right, awesome. So you're ordering then piecemeal every day from a different place, like whatever was local or... Yeah, yeah, okay. yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, usually that tends to pan out. We right, use... Because it's, it's variety. Like the thing I think people get most bitchy about is like a lot of times particularly low budget caterers will like kind of just have like slight variations on the same things in like a few different ways and then over the course of a two week shoot or something you're getting like only really three or four different yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. no no uh we didn't we didn't i mean we didn't have a caterer so uh that was one of the things we basically used my apartment as like our headquarters that was one of my questions our call our call every day was to my apartment okay and then from my apartment we did hair and makeup and then we went to location basically that's how how it went and so because of that we were able to like go to my apartment to eat lunch every day, so everyone you know could actually sit down in a chair like a human being right. and eat their lunch. And there's a kick-ass place to get sandwiches called Highmart Sandwiches <laughs> in uh, northern uh, North Hollywood. Uh, so we got sandwiches from there like twice, and they're awesome. And we would just walk around with the menu and say, "What do you want?" All right. And people would pick, and, and that's kind of like how we did it. And you like if we had a big crew, there's no way we would have done it like that. But since it was such a small crew and such a small cast, we were able to do that, and I was glad that we were able to do that because it it is it shows that you value people's time and energy and talent that they're there working on your movie uh, or our movie. Um, they are getting paid, but not a lot, mm-hmm. and so I don't know. I just the least you can do, yeah. sure. It's yeah. the least you can do. Right. <laughs> like, I mean, we've all worked on other people's projects. And when you're working on someone else's project, when they call lunch and you and you turn around, you go, it's sometimes you're like, pizza wait, this is fucking lunch? Right. Come on, dude. I'm right. here working for free. Right. You're like, help me out, you know? Yep. Help, help me to make this a good, you know, uh, uh, experience. But so, and, and make me want you, make me want to like be committed to it for sure. Yeah, yeah. but or though sometimes you you turn around and like the director's mom has made an awesome spread and you're like, fuck yeah, dude! Yeah. All right, <laughs> let's do it. You yeah. know, so like I kind of feel <clears throat> like that is that separates the wheat from the chaff, so to speak. Mm. Sometimes when like what you're serving them for lunch, for sure, for sure. Yeah, there's no better way to. Uh, generate mutiny <laughs> than, than, than poorly or uh, well I will say this here's the other thing 
uh, along the same lines of like treating your crew and your cast well is we never went over time. We never went longer than 12 hours. I'm pretty sure most of the days we were done at like 10 hours. Because we were shooting outside most of the time, we were shooting in daylight. Once the sun goes down, we're, you're done. Right. And like I said, you know, I'd been, I'd basically been like putting that project together in my head for a year. I knew exactly where I wanted to shoot things. I knew exactly like what I wanted to shoot there. And I didn't need more than three takes because my cast was so awesome. My cast uh, uh, um, rehearsed for weeks before we shot. Therefore, when we actually get on set and your cameras are rolling, this is a scene you've rehearsed for weeks and weeks. Like, you know it backwards and forwards. So you only need three or four takes. And as long as everyone's happy, then, like, move on to the next thing. Sure. And, yeah. For sure. Uh, so the production timeline, uh, <clears throat> where are you at now? Uh, when did it start? When did you shoot post milestones, et cetera, et cetera? So the actual date sure. stamps on uh, those things. Okay, so we, it was 2016, so three years ago, is when we did like the first table read. And we did a couple da- table reads, actually, which was great for me as a writer because you can hear it out loud and you get feedback from the actors like and they're not and it's like good constructive feedback they just go you know hey in this one scene i think it'd be funnier if so and so said this line instead of me or you know just things like that so anyway 2016 probably about the summer we did a couple of table reads then in the fall of 2016 we did the crowdfunding campaign and then in the spring of 17 that's when we shot i think we shot in march of 17 and then that's when we ran out of money and that's when I that's when I just got in there and I was editing every weekend. I was spending like 10 hours a day just editing because I was also I also had a day job at the time too, so um and then we edited for a good 6 months like off and on and basically just me. And then I'd show when I finally had something to show someone, I'd like showed a cut to our producers just to get there their input in and then it was it wasn't until it wasn't until april of 2018 that we had a final cut um and then it still even hadn't been color corrected or anything like that but there was this one the jim thorpe film festival in jim thorpe pennsylvania uh they were they're in their second year and they were accepting films i had never heard of the film festival or anything like that but i was just like they gave me a huge... They were giving you huge discounts. They just wanted submissions. Mm-hmm. So I submitted the rough cut to them. And they came back like three weeks later saying, we really like it. Uh, when's, your, when's your fine cut going to be ready? It Will it be ready for our festival? And I was like, well, it will now. Mm-hmm. And so that was kind of like trial by fire. It was just like, all right, well, now, now, now we have a deadline. And... It just happened recently. April. I was asking you about yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. Okay. I think it was in April. Did you guys go? Uh, yeah, well, uh, I believe Greg did go. Yeah. I didn't go. Um, didn't go. But yeah, I think he said it was, he said it was cool. I think. Yeah, it's a fun little festival, and they, it's in this small town of Jim Thorpe, Pennsylvania, and, like, they have this great theater, uh, that's, like, a 200-year-old, like, opera house that's mm-hmm. now 
a movie theater slash uh, live events. You know, they, they have bands there and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. So basically, so the spring of 2018 is when we like finally had like a, a fine cut of it. Um, so what was the time window between so you, that you were like, okay, this is picture done and you had yeah. done. I mean, when you say, when you say it was, it was, uh, the, the content, co- content wise, the story was there. It was right. done. So no, but none of the sound, none of the, I mean, it was a just picture you're saying yeah. at that point. Yeah. Yeah. And so what was the time window between that and like getting this acceptance and going, okay, we need to have something to show human beings. Uh, about a month. That's about a, tight, a month. That's a very tight window. And it's, it's good to have a deadline. Well, deadlines really, are great. Because but... it makes you go, oh shit, we have to do this now. <laughs> so, well, luckily I have uh, a good friend who's a sound engineer named Pete Penabray, who was the engineer on this. Um, and he was a really quick turnaround. Like, I gave him everything, and I had a sound mix from him in like two weeks. Because uh, he has a home studio. And he he loves projects like this, so that was kind of like I mean we I paid him don't get me wrong but not a lot, um, and then the color correct. That was just something uh, that we had. Uh, some of our producers had a friend who was starting a post production house, and they were like willing to do it for friend prices or whatever. And then like, but I was like, okay, well we need it by this date. And there, and so well, it, it colors a few days. The sound is the big thing to have it pulled off in a month on an indie budget. Is yeah, well, I mean, <laughs> luckily, Music I mean, there wasn't there wasn't a ton of it wasn't super complicated for sound wise, and the, none of the music that we had we didn't we didn't score the scenes. All the music was just interstitial. It was just between scenes, mm-hmm. so that made it a lot easier to do. Uh, editing wise and mix wise um, so yeah we we had a, a final cut of the whole shebang by the end of April of 2018 and there, there were still some tweaks to be done but we had something we could show a theater full of people right. and not be and not cringe every 10 minutes <laughs> Um, and well, here, only 10 minutes isn't bad well and here's, <laughs> here's another thing that I, I, I will say this about the whole editing process it's a 90 page script and uh, I mean the rule of thumb is like 45 seconds to a minute per page uh, the, the first cut that we had of the movie was around 77 minutes which was shorter than I thought it was going to be and me and the producers all went, that's kind of short. But also we watched it and we all were like, this isn't funny. This isn't working. And, and it was tough to hear, but they were right. At which point in time I thought, all right, I'm going to go back in and I'm going to re-edit this thing. Or I'm just going to, I'm going to edit it so that it's funny. That it's working. I don't give a damn how long it is. I don't care about the running time. So I didn't even look at the running times as I was editing. I just edited it scene by scene and just basically cut it down so that because it's a comedy, timing is everything. So the timing had to be right. And when I finally finished the darn thing, it was 64 minutes, which was even more cringeworthy. <laughs> but it was funny. And, I, and it was something I wanted to show other people. And other people thought it was funny too. And so I realized that it's a little... Uh, unorthodox in as far as its running time goes but 
I wasn't going to leave it the way it was just to have it be longer. I mean, like I told you, yeah, it was... I was Especially just like, with comedy, if it's fucking... It, if it's it better not be funny, working, what are we doing it, here? It, <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's like, if it's not funny, it is painful. Right. So that's why it's the, the length that it is, but I'm not apologizing for it. I like the that it's that length. Um... I guess you do. It's. I think that's a. That's also a bit of an antiquated. You know. I mean, they're. You know, they're, yeah. Festivals often will have like some sort of hard number, but I think even they that. Do. Even that is negotiable. Uh, if they like it, they like. But it. But even most of them, it's like it has to be longer than like forty-five minutes. Right. And which is not hard to do. No. Um, and 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 that's a very forgiving time, especially for ours, which was the length that it is. Right. Uh, which was it's a little difficult for programmers to wrap their heads around how the length that it is. Right. At least for some of them, other others are like, "This is great. We can show another like, movie." Yeah, I'll say we have plenty of time to clean the theater now. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> like they like it. Like we we went the to program the, can dump some shorts into this. Yeah, right. in Queens we went to that uh, festival in Queens in New York, and they showed the it. Queens with, World. No, it was called the. Um, uh, it's uh, the uh, it was it was called the Kew Gardens Film Festival. Okay. They've since changed it to the uh, International Queens Film Festival or something like that. Uh, so they they kind of rebranded, but it was called the Kew Gardens Film Festival. And uh, they were like, "Great, we're going to show it with another feature that's an hour long." So it was like a double bill. Right. Um, so yeah, I mean, that's a huge some part of the decision making, it. dude. Like, I mean, you an over two hour movie is fucking next to impossible to get programmed just because it's for the yeah. I mean unless they, they can, have a whole schedule and it's like unless it you can promise to get butts in the seats right exactly then they're gonna like then I if I were them I would hem and haw about that I'd be like mm, yeah. I don't know that's a lot of real estate to give to a project right uh, unless it's going to be like super awesome or it's like well, super, not even super awesome super dependable revenue wise well, <laughs> yeah that too <laughs> um, cool uh Okay, the most notable constraint, and not just money, that's obvious, mm. uh, but what did not having enough of that make most difficult for you, specifically? Um, not having enough of something. Um, well, I mean, I... Well, it doesn't have to mean not having enough of something. Yeah, something yeah, yeah. that was more difficult because of... The lack of okay. enough money. I don't... All right, so this is this is kind of answering your question. Uh, one thing about our film is there are a number of... I think there's, there's five or six scenes that are literally in the car. Uh, only one of those was in the car where the car's not moving. All of the other ones, as, as written, the car was moving. They were, this, they is were, one, this is one of my projects. They were literally questions. driving around, driving around acting. Logistically. I presume there was not a process trailer involved. <laughs> there was. That's the thing. So that, that was the major expense that we didn't uh, plan on initially. Okay. Uh, so as we were rehearsing and stuff like that and getting ready to like go into production, uh, Cassie, Cassie Thornton, who plays one of the leads, she's also a producer on, on the project, at some point, she said, she said to me, she's like, I'm not comfortable acting these scenes in a moving car where, my, where this guy's, like, having to drive and you know, act okay. and, like, worry about all that shit at the same time. 
And because at first I was like, ah, we'll just, you know, it'll be fine. <laughs> but then I was just like, she's right. Yeah, that's tough. That's tough. And, and at the end of the day, it's a, a safety thing. You don't want them to crash into another car. It's gonna really, it's gonna really fuck your schedule. It's gonna really fuck your schedule. <laughs> you, don't, you also don't want anyone to get hurt. And right, like, there's so at, at that point in time, we we were like, all right, well, fuck it. We have this is something we have to spend our money on, even though we. And so we were able to get a process trailer, and a you know, and a camera car, um, and for one day, and and for that one day. We shot three scenes in that car moving. We, we, we did it. We did it legit. We got a permit. We got cops. We got the whole shebang. Um, and we, for one day, that was our most expensive day, obviously. How much is a... Um, that's one of the biggest changes from New York to L.A. for me has been the yeah. uh, film L.A. stuff. Like, it's considerably more expensive. They They, they do... There's a lot more service provided, so it, I'm not saying it's not warranted. Yeah. But just as far as hard numbers go, the municipal costs here are way fucking higher than New York. <laughs> uh, well, you know what? The It was more reasonable than I thought it would be. Because like, at first I was like, there's no way we're going to be able to afford this. And then when, when we actually made some phone calls and asked for some hard numbers, it was like, oh, actually, we, I think we can afford this. And, and that was, and so we had to do that. Uh, and then the other driving scenes, I was, I basically said, well, I'll tell you what, we'll start off the scene where they're driving. And then at some point, one of the, uh, the driver will get frustrated and pull over to the side of the road. And then we'll do the bulk of the scene in a sitting car, say, yeah. not moving. And that was like hashtag problem solving. Yeah. That was just, I was just like. Doesn't need the car doesn't need to be moving for these scenes. It would be nice, but like it's okay. They can pull over and, and have the conversation in a non-moving car. So the car stuff was was kind of some something we didn't have enough of. And it would have been nice to it would have been nice to have two days with the trailer and do all the scenes like that. But we didn't have that. And do you, do you have an idea okay. what the actual sticker price came ended up being for? A day of shooting on a process tra- trailer, including the permitting costs and the cops and everything. It was a quarter of our budget. <laughs> it was a quarter of our budget for that one day, um, and but I mean, looking back at it, first of all, it was super fun to shoot with a trailer like that and sure. have cops because at one point you kind of like you're hemming and hawing. What was the actual? Uh... Uh, escort like what uh, two cars like what how many cars two two cops uh in motorcycles okay and we just basically drove up and down violent avenue that like that was what we were permitted for that's what we did and the cops were super awesome and at one because at one point the trailer is huge to change directions with that thing you need a lot of room luckily vineland has three lanes in each direction and that wasn't a problem uh, but like, and the cops were awesome. Like at some point, you know, I was just like, uh, this isn't working. The sun is in a bad place. We need to be going the other way and blah, blah, blah. But I was like, and the cops were like, sure, we'll stop traffic. No problem. <laughs> so the, so the cops literally like stopped traffic in every direction so that we could turn around. Probably, and it was just like, probably the most interesting component of that gig for them is to like 
just interrupt a fucking major. Yeah. <laughs> and, and I have to say, it was awesome. Yeah. Like, it was like, I mean, granted, that we were paying them. That was their job. Right. And that's, but it was still like one of those things where you're just like, yeah. oh, you know, if you do have money for doing certain things, you can do them the quote unquote right way. And if I would love to have had a second day on that trailer, but we just couldn't afford it. Sure. So we ended up, that's what we made work. And it was a lot of fun. And um, and something I had never done before. So it was like a, a super learning experience too, of just like, because we were a small we were a small crew, so we didn't even have walkies. The manpower, doing like the, the process trail stuff, like the the human beings necessary to properly and and safely rig that is yeah. not a small job. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> even, yeah. There's a lot more to it than you think. Yeah, um, especially and just lighting it. How do you light the inside of a car? How do you mic the inside of a car when the sound engineer isn't going to be in the car? Right. So the sound engineer is on the trailer. So she had to like work her magic in the in the car and like there's a whole she thing. Just tape, tape lobs like it, in places. Or, yeah, basically. Yeah. And then she put like a boom in the middle console. Mm. Um, but it was just like there's a lot more to it than you would think, and it took us. Probably two or three hours just to rig the car before we could shoot anything, which is great for the actors because they get to rehearse and stuff like that. And I don't know, it was it was a cool day. It was a fun day for like LED panels or anything for the lighting on the inside. Uh, yes. Um, The DP had these had these the ribbons LED yeah the ribbons the LED ribbons which are like. You're like, how is this electrified? <laughs> this is a piece of paper. This is battery. But it's yeah. like, no, yeah. you're good. Yeah. You know, and you can put them anywhere. Yep. And it was we were using my car. So I was like, tape anything you want anywhere. If do you need to put a hole in something, I don't care. Do it. It's fine. As long as it doesn't show on camera, yeah. I don't care. Yeah, that's those things are fucking cool, dude. The first yeah. time I saw those, I was like, that. Yeah, There's you're like, budget. whoever That's... came up with that, God yeah, you bless can, You them. basically, yeah, buy them, to, you can cut them to neat, you know, they're just yeah. really ribbons. And yeah, amazing. they're amazing. Um, yeah, there's a whole business in, like, turning them into panels and stuff. People sell, like, the actual panels of them that you can just, like, yeah, it's crazy. Yeah. Super cool solution um, for something. That used to be much harder. Uh, <laughs> a memorable benefit. So that's a constraint. Talk to me about, like, I find, or I have found, that not having a lot of money and the constraints that it imposes upon you can often lead to creative solutions to things that you otherwise would not have come up with. So yeah. talk to me about, if you can recall one, so it's okay, okay to say, I don't fucking remember, but <laughs> uh, if you can think of anything where not having the right amount of money caused you to create a solution that in hindsight you're like, I'm glad it ended up that way because I think it caters to whatever thing that you would want to cater to in the long run. Yeah, yeah, okay. Um, well, I would say the biggest kind of umbrella uh, change that like not having money uh, af- affected was uh, a story the way a story like ours, where it's like this like kind of like midnight madness kind of caper thing where these like characters are going from location to location to location and wackiness ensues at every location. Like in a perfect world, that would have been at night it would have been like a crazy night in LA you know that would have been like the tagline or whatever but since we had uh the constraints of no money um and very few locations and uh and no time um I wrote everything to take part 
to take place during the day and outside. That way, you don't have to spend two hours lighting a scene. You don't need lights. You have you have God's one K. <laughs> um, uh, and so, like you, yes, you have to like figure out where the sun is. Where's your light coming from? What's it, what, Get some bounce boards and stuff when did like you that. Shoot, what, what part of the year did you shoot? In the spring. Uh, so. Basically, so I was just like, well, that will... It's risky. It gets gloomy, man. June, I know. Gloomy. It actually it rained the week before we were shooting. Because I figured, oh, March, it'll the rain will be done by March. And it was like still rainy. It was like the that season was unseasonably rainy. And I was like, holy shit. You mean I'm picking the one week <laughs> out of the are, year in L.A. that it's LA. fucking rainy? <laughs> but like, actually, we, we got really lucky with the weather. Um, but yeah, so that, all the constraints that we had, I was just like, well, it's all going to take place outside during the day. That way we really have to worry very little about lighting. That way we can just show up. We figure out where we want to put the camera. We get a couple of bounce boards and stuff like that. Or like, you know, we figure out, do we want to be in the sun or do we want to be in the shade? What do we want to do? And then, and then go. And that, and in doing that really sped up our day. And and just made things fairly organic, uh, and it just it it took out it took away the the element that we didn't we couldn't afford and, and didn't have. Uh, so I hope that answered your question. Yeah, for sure. Like that was basically. Did you? Because there were some interiors. Did you? Yeah. Did you front load the schedule with the exteriors with that back with those backup interiors just in case? And did you shoot those interiors at your apartment? Yes, we shot the interiors at my apartment. Um, And uh, I think one of our first days was was the interiors, yes. I want to say, because we did it like, we did it, I was, I had a day job during during this. I was producing a true crime TV show at the time. So like, I only, I would only take off Thursday and Friday. So basically we shot Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday. Had Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday off, and then shot again Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday. So I want to say pick up, the pickup day happened. And the pickup day happened like a month later. Okay. When, when once we were in edit and realized, and I should have fucking realized when we were shooting it, I was just like, "Oh, we need a lot more for this scene. Why didn't we shoot it when we were there?" Mm-hmm. But we did. But luckily, it took place in my apartment, so it wasn't hard to pick up that. <laughs> um, so anyway, uh, I think we shot the interiors. That, f- like, day three. Okay. So that we kind of, like, just got it all out of the way. That was risky, man. Um, Save that shit for a backup in case it does go bad, weather-wise. That was a... That's an excellent point. <laughs> <laughs> I wasn't thinking like that. But luckily, luckily it is L.A. and it doesn't really rain. So I suppose if we were shooting in another city, that would have... That wouldn't have worked. I, uh, that my solution would not have worked. <laughs> but luckily, we're in L.A. and it never rains here, so that wasn't really a problem. Amen. That's why I moved here from New York. Uh, <laughs> so do you – and this is kind of in the same vein, but, but not about you. It's about your crew. Yeah. Do you recall an instance of someone else in the production overcoming the low-budget constraints to create something where you were kind of like, I didn't know they had the resources to accomplish that? <laughs> Um, well, 
uh, I mean, I would say hats off to our DP, our director of photography, uh, Katie Walker. Um, it was not an ideal situation for her for pretty much all the, all the reasons why I just said, like <laughs> she couldn't really light a scene cause I, cause because they were all outside. Um, and she mostly handheld situations, yeah. a lot of yeah. handheld stuff and like a lot of like, especially in the car. What did you shoot on? Um, uh, our a camera was a red. Actually, this is another way that we sped things up. We had a two camera shoot. So every, most of the also scenes, with the sitcom thing. That I yeah. So most, <laughs> most of the scenes we had two cameras so that one take is essentially two takes. So you had that tiny and, crew running two cameras. That's yeah, really impressive. And um, so, anyways, yeah, hats off to our director of photography. A red and a what? For what was the other? A Sorry. red and a Sony uh, A7S okay. was our B camera, um, and that presented certain problems when it came to the color correct. Which I'll, in retrospect, we sh- our A camera and B camera should have been the same, but we just couldn't afford a second red. Right. So we got what we had. In retrospect, I would have shot. Both as like a 5D or something like that. Because we had two 5Ds. But the DP also had a red. And I was like, fuck it, I want to shoot it on a red. I want the... You don't you don't go to a, a, a car rental place and they go, do you want the Ferrari? Or do you want, or do you want the, um, Prius. the Prius? And they go, I want the fucking Ferrari, dude. And so we were shooting with the Ferrari and like... We, you know, we stuck her in the backseat of the car for a bunch of stuff. Like a lot of handheld stuff, which is tough. Uh, on your back and just, you know, there's a, a lot of constraints that we had that Katie really rolled with and just was just like, and embraced what we didn't have. Mm-hmm. And it like, and it kind of, uh, uh, it, it dictated a style to the cinematography of it because, because of that, like we couldn't put things on a, uh, on a six foot Dana dolly because we were stealing locations. Like and we couldn't set up lights. We couldn't set up a, a two K out the window and shoot it in. And, and, you know, we couldn't do all these like little, you know, uh, bag of tricks that, that a lot of DPs have. So we had to make it kind of like run and gun and make it gritty and make a lot of things just handheld. And that ended up kind of, I feel like that ended up, Becoming the cinema, the cinematic style of the film. Sure. And again, I'm talking a lot. That's no, the goal. Sorry. Talking is the goal. Talking is actually. the goal. We're not talking. Oh, okay, we're not good. even doing anything <laughs> in a podcast okay. situation. All right. Uh, <laughs> Believe it or not, not a lot of people ask me about this. <laughs> no, I'm serious. About what? About the the, the movie. <laughs> like no one. Very few people, my friends, my wife, like what no, the, what the fuck? no one not. like sits around and goes, no. hey, Darren, how did you do that? Uh, or, only you know, someone who also makes these things could possibly care how makes someone, <laughs> how someone actually makes them uh, down to a nuts and bolts <laughs> level. Um, yeah, dude. Well, yeah, as far as like, going back to the cinematographer thing, like that, that uh, having a cinematographer that can roll with it is one of the uh, wisest being able to ascertain whether or not a cinematographer can and is able uh, or rather can and is willing uh, to just roll with the yeah. constraints that a low budget production because every, you know everyone wants a job and like, everyone wants especially a feature like some you know, there's a million talented people out there cinematography wise that are shooting a bunch of cool shit and getting paid a lot of money and very good at their job but they're not shooting feature films and when yeah. you tell someone who's doing a bunch of cool shit that's making a bunch of money 
would you like to shoot a, shoot a feature film? They all nod their head yes. yes. But that doesn't actually mean that they understand what shooting a feature film like this is going to be like right. and the constraints they're going to have <laughs> and that it's not going to be a real, uh, a, a demo real contributing focus. It's going to be about telling the story within the constraints that we have. And like yeah. not every cinematographer gets that and being no. able to uh, make your choice on who you're going to work with on these things, uh, being able to tell whether they're capable of that yeah. uh, is, well, is also a very underscored uh keeping those things in mind to when i was looking for a dp i had a short list of recommendations from friends and stuff like that um and i had so i had a short list but the first thing i did was i sent them the script and i said read the script because if you basically i was like the amount of money we're not paying you and the amount of constraints we're going to put on you, if you don't like the script and don't <laughs> like the movie, it's going to be a long fucking eight days. <laughs> yeah, right, yeah. So you have to like the movie, like the movie that we're making. That was the first thing. And I was like, look, if you read it and you say, you know what, this isn't for me, I'm not, you're not hurting my feelings. That's cool. Walk away. That's probably the best for everybody. So... After they read it and if they liked it, then I met with them for a cup of coffee. And we talked for 20 minutes and I led with all the bad stuff. <laughs> I said, I can't pay you much. I, you're not going to have a, much of a crew. You know, you know we're going to shoot it in eight days. You know, all these things. I, I led with all the bad things. And I said, if after hearing all of that shit, you still want to work on this? Let's talk. Then let's talk. <laughs> yeah, yeah, if right. you if you hear all this shit and don't want to work on it, that's fine. Yeah. Walk away. Probably best for everybody. And that was so. That was one of the Katie obviously was uh, on my short list, and she didn't care about all the constraints. She was like, "No, it's fine. Let's make the movie." And so, amen. Yeah. Biggest mistake you've personally made on the project. Uh. Well, honestly, I would say well, there's a lot of them, actually. There usually are. Uh, and, I, <laughs> and I'm okay to admit that. I'm, I am not, you know, I, this is a you're learning as you go kind of a thing. So on a, what I was just talking about with cameras, because I decided that we were going to do a two-camera shoot, and that was, and that was, that was, most of the decisions you make on these things are going to be financial decisions. Uh, and shooting two cameras, yes, it was more money to have a second camera, but it meant your day was faster and so you didn't go into overtime with your crew. And it meant you were going to make your day. Because you don't want to... The last thing you want to do is like start shooting and, and run out of money and not finish the fucking thing. I mean, at, at the very least, at least you shot it all... And it, maybe it sucks, but you shot it all and you can put it together. If you only shoot three quarters of the movie, you're fucked. So long story short, uh, the, having the A camera be a red and the B camera be a not red made for ve a very challenging color correct, which I did not figure on. Because <laughs> like because we couldn't get it, afford a second red... Uh, our DP, Katie, uh, suggested we use the Sony A7, which which we were actually able to get for free from a friend. Um, and that was great. And she was like, well, it'll look similar. It'll, be, it'll look 
close enough and you're going to have to color correct it, obviously. And so I didn't realize how different it was going to look and how much of the color correct that that was going to take. It made our color correct take a lot longer and it made it a lot more difficult. Um, in retrospect... And in turn more expensive, probably. Yes. <laughs> and so in retrospect, I would have said, you know what? I, the red's nice and everything, but like, let's let's shoot two of the same camera. Right. What can we afford two of, as opposed to what can we afford one of? Right. And and I would have sh- and a five the five Ds are a great camera, and we actually had two five Ds that we could have used, but we didn't. And so that's like probably the biggest quote unquote mistake that we made, or that I made. I know that was my that was my call, and I made what I thought was the right call. And did it tank us? No. Did it ruin the film? No, but it made things challenging in post-production. And the last thing you want to do is make post-production more challenging when you have no money. For sure. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> uh, you may have kind of already answered this just there, but yeah. feel free if you have something else maybe you want to hit on. Yeah. Uh, have you been through and learned much of what you did from the project? Uh, what would be the thing that you want to do most differently? And uh, in particular, like, you know, a lot of times the answer to this has been, not necessarily even a mistake, just like, you know, the, one of the filmmakers I spoke to was like, you know, we shot this thing in an urban environment, like, I would like to go outside next time. <laughs> or, or not outside, but like in the, you know, in, the, the in nature, or, you know. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so just any sort of like a different setting, like just a different thing you would like, uh, or a thing you would like to have different with the next film. Uh, that's a good question. Um... I guess for the next, I mean, an an obvious answer to that is to have more money, (laughs) but I'm not going to have more money for the next one. (laughs) That's not the way it works. Um, uh, That's a good question. Um, I guess one thing that, one thing, and it was by design that I wrote this script with two main characters that... You know, the two main characters are going to be like 90% of the movie. That's why it was really important that we cast them correctly um, because they were going to carry the movie. And if they if they weren't right for the parts or they weren't funny or they didn't have a good chemistry, it was going to tank the movie, like straight up. And no one would want to watch beyond the first two minutes if these two people weren't good. And Cassie and Trevor were awesome. Uh, I could not have hoped for a better cast. Um, having said that, um, I wrote the movie to rely on the two main characters because that was cheaper. If you only have to pay two actors for most of your days as opposed to having a cast of 25 every day, that's a lot of money. Mm-hmm. So I pared it down so it was basically just these two characters. In the future, I would like to have a, a story and a script that maybe has a few more main characters so that you're not relying so much on those on those characters and that storyline. You've got a couple of storylines going on. You've got a bunch of different characters so that and it it makes it a little easier to have different chemistry and to have it be funnier if you can bring in another character. Like you're like, "Oh, this situation's pretty funny, but wouldn't it be hilarious if they're like their father that they hadn't seen for 10 years that they hate walked in the door or some, you know, just like I would have liked to have had maybe like a bigger cast, like a story that had a bigger cast that 
would make it more dynamic, a little bit less of a sure. one-trick pony, so to speak. Yeah, I mean, you know, the way people consume things. I mean, you know, you often, or at least I often, maybe this is self-referential, but, you know, I often latch on to a particular character and, like, yeah. there's just more chances to generate that in, in a viewer and an audience member if there's more people for them to choose Yeah, from, you know? yeah. Like, if you're, yeah, if you're an audience member and you're watching a movie and if you don't like a couple of the characters or something like that that might take you that might make you stop watching it but what about that other character that comes in and you fucking think he's hilarious and you're just waiting for that next scene that he's in (laughs) you're like then you're gonna stick around you know so it can become become more engaging for sure i guess uh so a couple of the the project specific things and we kind of already hit on them for the most part all right so the uh I was going to ask kind of about the logistics of, so you said there were about 10 locations and yeah, all, all of those were grouped around your apartment and you did all of the staging from your apartment, you're saying? There was, uh, there, there no, any? there was, okay, so most of, mostly yes. Uh, most of the days we, we had our call and our wrap at my apartment and that's where we kept all the equipment and stuff like that and that's where we would often have lunch uh, and all the, yeah, most of our locations were, you could walk to from my apartment, or you could, we're a, a five to ten minute drive from my apartment, all in that area. I will say, though, we did shoot uh, one location that was at a house down near LAX. I should say, I live in North Hollywood, so that's where everything was. But we needed this other location, and my friend... Uh, also was one of the actors in the movie, Dave Goral. He lived in this house down by LAX. And it was a good location for where, what Where we you're needed. at right now. <laughs> yeah. Pretty close to. Yeah, pretty close to. <laughs> and so that was like the one day where we had the call elsewhere. We had the call to his house. And we shot in his backyard. We shot down the, down the street from his house. And that kind of a thing. Um, but pretty much... For every all the other days, uh, yeah, it was in and around my apartment. I mean, at least in that, I mean, in, in that case, you still have like it's an interior that you have total control over, and it can act as staging. And you know, I was curious yeah. if any of the jumping around required kind of just like winging uh, a staging situation, which is always you know sometimes has to happen, and it can be a real biatch. <laughs> yeah, no. Well, luckily because we had such a small cast and crew. We just had like a a box of craft services and a cooler with bottles of water. Okay. And like that was enough because we weren't at any location for more than like four hours. So it wasn't like you were like camping out and really had like a bunch of people just hanging around getting hungry and thirsty. Mm-hmm. So we were able to just be lean and mean about it. Word, word, word. word. Uh, yeah, I wanted to ask about the driving scene stuff too, but I think we covered every possible component of that. Uh, how can we follow the project Uh, any notable dates coming up the stuff turns around pretty quick so human human beings will hear it sure Uh, well you can find us on Facebook we have a Facebook page Um, just search in Facebook just search Chasing Sunshine Uh, the working title of it when we were when we were raising uh, money was The Hunt so our Facebook page is Chasing Sunshine aka The Hunt Mm -hmm. You, know, you they, can change the URL one time. You don't but like they, won't, they won't let you change it to a completely different thing. You have to incorporate the original name 
really? into the into the different I things. Think that's a somewhat new thing. I, I tried. Definitely... Believe me, I tried to just change it to Chasing Sunshine, and they were like, "No." Yeah. And I was like, "Why?" And they were like, "It you can't just change it. It has to be some for derivative business. It's of the original." A business. There's yeah, like things yeah, yeah, yeah. Like you can't. Like I couldn't have. Ch- I couldn't have changed. You can't it time Warner this shit and just change it to Spectrum and expect yeah. everyone to forget about all your shitty yeah. actions. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, but yeah, so it's uh, Facebook, aka The Hunt, or uh, uh, Chasing Sunshine, aka The Hunt. Uh, we post there a lot with any like um, with any new things. Uh, we will be rolling it out in the fall um, onto a VOD platform. More than more than likely, it's going to be uh, Amazon Prime. So, and that'll happen in like September slash October. Word. Um, and we are independently distributing it. Through Syncretic Entertainment, which is one of our uh, producing partners. Okay. And define the phrase independent filmmaking as you see it. Um, independent filmmaking, I feel, is... Uh, it is a chance for people to tell more diverse and interesting stories um, and not ask permission to do so uh, because you don't have you don't have a studio giving you a hundred million dollars and looking over your shoulder with every turn of the corner you're you're telling the story with your resources and your someone's money <laughs> maybe it's your money uh, that and I feel like it opens the door because of that, because you don't have big studio money looking over your shoulder and questioning everything and saying, oh, no, do it this way because that people will like that more and you'll sell more tickets. Of the thing, yeah, know. yeah, yeah. So I feel like it's a, a chance for more diverse stories and voices to be heard without asking for permission to do so. Word. I guess that's my best. Good one there. <laughs> where can people find you socials etc etc uh so like i said facebook and uh i also have a twitter account it's just darren coil i think it's i think it's darren coil 0626 but i think if you just search darren coil on twitter you'll there's find not a me. lot of them there's not a lot of, us. There's not a lot of us around yeah. uh we do our best to have an online presence but um i only post when something's happening i'm not gonna like post just to say hi so um we have a we have uh from the crowdfunding campaign and also from trevor's uh notoriety and celebrity we have a a good following uh and they they show up they come to festivals and stuff like that which is awesome to see yeah sure cool man thank you appreciate your time thank you that is a wrap on episode eight of the filmmaking the hard way podcast Thank you to Darren for trucking out to the beach uh, from North Hollywood to chat with me. And if you would like to subscribe to the pod, you can do so on iTunes, SoundCloud, Android, Stitcher, Spotify, TuneIn, Podbean, Himalaya, probably some other places. And if you uh, like what I'm doing here, enjoy it at all, please do rate and review uh, the pod on whatever platform you do consume it on so it'll be more easily found and engaged by others. And you can follow me on Twitter at Josh Folan and on Instagram at MyShiftKeyIsBroke. And you can find 
more about uh, the Filmic in the Hard Way book and pod and blog, etc., etc., on nyehentertainment.com forward slash FTHW. Till next time.